This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them succeed in their careers and lives. In this episode, Rachel and I will be talking with Don Klein, president and founder at Klein Engineering and Consulting, about the dynamic realm of structural health monitoring, exploring its profound significance, diverse applications, and the cutting-edge solutions brought by Infrastructure Tech. I'm your co-host, Matt Picardle. And I'm your co-host, Rachel Holland. Now let's jump into the conversation of the week. Welcome, Don. And could you share a bit about your journey and what you do on a daily basis as the CEO of Client Engineering and Consulting? First of all, thank you, Matt and Rachel, for having me. I have had a uh, not a typical journey in my career, I would say. It's very unusual. Actually, my BS degree was in aerospace engineering, and uh, I went back to school and got a master's in civil structural engineering from Virginia Tech. And my first job after Virginia Tech was in a small, mid-size consulting engineering practice. Then the economy went downhill and I actually lost my job. And I landed with VSL. I, I was with VSL for 17 years. It was a great experience. Uh, VSL is a, they're a supplier and installer of post-tensioning products. They're an international company. The U.S. operations was bought by Structural Group, which is a company that specializes in repair and strengthening and retrofit of structures. They're a contractor. And so my journey through VSL was quite varied. I started as a design engineer and then worked my way through business development and as a technical salesperson. And then eventually, after Structural took over, I became the manager of all the East Coast operations for VSL. So I got a great education there in terms of not just engineering, not just post-tensioning, but also just running a business, how you run a business. So that was a great experience. I learned a lot there. And then I started my own firm, Klein Engineering, in 2006. And we've been doing well and growing ever since. So a typical day here, I'm focused primarily on business development, bringing in the work. I brought in a partner, Catherine Farley, a couple of years ago, and she's mainly focused on the operations side. I'm focused mainly on the business development side, although we do kind of cross paths a little bit. Yeah, so I'm focused a lot on business development and also growing the company and building the company and that type of thing. We have a lot of like younger listeners and going from a bachelor's in aerospace to a master's in civil structural, is there something that like prompted you to do that? My first job out of school was with a fairly large, a very large government contracting company. And we were doing work with the government, with Department of Navy. And it was pretty interesting. We got to write on submarines and launch missiles and stuff like that from the submarine. And that was kind of cool. I just didn't see myself doing that for the rest of my career. That might be good for some 
engineers, that's a great career path for them. But I really wanted to be in a smaller company environment, design something, build it, and actually see it come to fruition. And I, I really felt like civil engineering was the place for me. So I actually, after I worked there for two and a half years, I uh, decided to go back to school and become a structural engineer. In your practice, have you been involved in evaluating and rehabbing concrete structures? We focus primarily on design of new post-tension concrete structures, but we another area of focus for us is evaluation, repair, retrofit, strengthening of existing structures, primarily buildings, but we also get involved in bridges as well. We do a lot of that kind of work. We have several engineers here at Klein Engineering, and everyone's cross-trains. Everyone can do both new design as well as evaluation, repair, strengthening of existing structures. I know there's some new trends going on in terms of uh, like, what is smart building and structural health monitoring technology? Like what's the state of the art of that industry? I know that's getting more and more, more traction. And yeah, what is that for structural engineers that may not know what that is or haven't been uh, familiar with it? We all know that especially concrete structures, they do fine as long as the rebar and the reinforcing steel in the concrete stays pristine and doesn't corrode. Once it starts to corrode, then it the volume grows and it starts to spall and crack the concrete. And that's where we see problems. There really is not a lot of technology out there for smart building technology to monitor these structures over time. There are some products out there, like there's corrosion sensor you can put in concrete that will show progression of corrosion through the depth of the concrete. It's a wired system, so you have wires coming out. And there are products that uh, monitor the strength of concrete, which is being used more and more today. There are products that monitor cracks, crack widths, growth of cracks, that sort of thing. But there's really not a comprehensive method of monitoring the structure over the lifetime of the structure. And so we got interested in that and and we um, started looking for products overseas in Europe and we found the system and we got interested in that and we started to develop a partnership with that company to bring it here to the U.S. And I would say that the company over there is called InfraSolute and they're very innovative and they have some great technology and and we decided to, to partner with them and bring that technology here. We have these sensors essentially that throughout the life of the building, they can monitor any corrosion or cracking the structural health of say the concrete slab or the structure to make sure that there isn't anything wrong with it, especially if the concrete's covered up. I'm guessing you can go on your app and and see what it is or somehow pull the data, right? There's two different sensors we use. They're kind of like hockey puck size sensors. One is a corrosion sensor. And the way it works is it has a wire, has a series of wires around it. The wire is composed of a material that's very similar to reinforcing steel. And so when the passive layer of protection goes away due to whatever, it could be carbonation or just chlorides getting into the concrete, the passive layer will go away and it'll start to corrode the wire. And then once it corrodes, then it'll send a signal to the cloud, letting us know the corrosion has started. And it also monitors temperature in the concrete as well. And then this one is a little bit different. This monitors moisture. So you can see when the humidity or the moisture content within the concrete changes over a period of time. So we like to use both of these products. Like those are in the concrete when you pour it and they stay there for the life of that building. 
Yes, there's a couple of different ways that this product could be used. One is you could put it into the concrete during construction, and then it'll be there for the life of the structure. These have been tested, and they can in a um, you know accelerated environment, and they have been shown to last over seventy years in a structure. They don't need any kind of power. There's no battery. There's no wire. It will last a long time in the structure without ever having to go back in and, and check it. That's one way to. It can be used. You could also install it into an existing structure. You can core a hole into the structure. If you imagine like a column and you core a four inch diameter or five inch diameter hole, and then you pack this in with grout into that hole, it can work in existing structure. And a third way would be, let's say you're doing a repair on a structure on a parking garage or a bridge deck or something like that. And you have a patch that you're working on. You can put this in the patch material and then cover it up with the patch material. So that's three ways that can be used. You have the ability then to put it in new construction and existing and have it work for you in both cases. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a really innovative product and uh, it can be used in different types of structures, obviously. I mean, you have to think about different structures where that are at risk for corrosion and buildings, parking structures, uh, if you're close to the coastline, tunnels, bridge decks, Lots of opportunity to use it. Tanks would be another opportunity for using this. You have these products that seem to provide so much information. And I'm curious, in your opinion, why would you say that structural health monitoring is so important? As structural engineers, we often get involved in, in projects where we're going out and, and uh, evaluating, we're inspecting structures, we're evaluating them. When the rebar starts to corrode, you don't really know what's going on in the concrete until you see it manifest itself through cracking and spalling. Once you get to that point, the cost to do the repair becomes uh, exponential. You know, if you find the problem before it uh, starts to spall the concrete, then you can take care of it much more economically than you can after you get the spalling. Once you get the spalling and the cracking, then it becomes very expensive to go in and, and remove the concrete and, and patch it. And so one reason is cost. Another is we have projects very close. You remember the uh, Champlain Towers building collapse down in Florida? That was a um, contributing factor. That you had corrosion of the steel and the concrete. If we had a system in buildings that could give us an early warning detection for problems that are developing on these structures that may not be monitored that closely by structural engineers, then that would give us more information to improve the safety and mitigate risk on these buildings. So there's a couple of reasons. One is uh, reduced cost going forward, and also potential for saving lives in the future. You mentioned they have the 70-year lifespan. How do you pull that data? There's a lot of technology that goes into these. You can imagine a uh, like a credit card reader. You go to the grocery store and you tap it and it, it can read the information off your credit card. This works. This has similar technology. This would be embedded in the concrete. And then you would bring a, a reader on the outside of the concrete. It'll extract the data from the sensor. And that reader sends it to the cloud and it can be evaluated and manipulated by the engineer or the asset owner, whoever is going to be using that information. There's two different types of readers. One, it can be mounted directly to the concrete and it'll be there permanently. That does need to have power. It can be powered by battery or by solar or by just hardwired. That's on the outside of the concrete. We call that a gateway and it would pick up the information from the sensor and send it to the cloud by using cell phone technology. The other type of reader is a handheld reader. You imagine you have a 
a small portable handheld reader and let's say the owner doesn't want to have the box permanently mounted to their structure, then you as the engineer can, you know, take this handheld reader and go out there once a month or twice a year, whatever you decide, and then pick up the data. That also will send it to the cloud and store the data. I know you were also involved in that startup company. I believe it was infrastructure tech or iTech, is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Catherine and I run client engineering, a structural engineering firm. I mentioned that. She and I both are involved in this new venture called Infrastructure Tech or iTech for short. And uh, we have a third partner. His name is Yospani Balate. He is the owner of a contracting firm and they specialize in repair and evaluation and retrofit of structures. You're actually doing the work in the field. They actually do the repairs on concrete. They also specialize in waterproofing. We do a lot of work with Yospani and his team. His company is called Structural BR. He's also an engineer and very much focused on technology and how technology can improve construction. We partnered with him in this new venture, and we both together kind of stumbled upon this company, Infrasalute, in Germany. They're based in Germany and also in, in Switzerland. And we developed a partnership with them. We're bringing that technology here to the United States. So. We're very focused on both the structural engineering side and client engineering, and also developing this new company called iTech. You kind of gave us the info on how you can like extract the data. So you're the structural engineer, you have your other partner who's the person that can install these types of things. And then you talked about how you can extract the data. So I'm picturing like other structural engineers who specialize in structural evaluation, maintenance, repairing of buildings, things like that. And then also like the other side of it would be like facilities management firm kind of people. You mentioned earlier, like the asset owner, right? So like in your experience, who most likely will get that data? And like, do they work with you? Like, how does that process all sort of I mean, if it's your building, does the data just come right to you as the SE? And as soon as you're triggered that there's a problem, how does that all work? With iTech, we're going to be focused on developing the technologies, supplying the materials, the sensors, the gateways, all the hardware that's required. We'll provide engineering support. We will also install or provide installation support, but we don't necessarily have to do all of it. Through client engineering, we could get involved with an owner where we're providing the whole package, you know, from A to Z. We provide the technology and also the structural engineering component where you have to get the data and evaluate it and provide recommendations to the owner. The way that this will be used the most and the way we hope it's used the most is by working with local engineers who specialize in this. They're representing an owner or they are a facilities engineering firm and they're working with many different asset owners, they could use this technology. They could provide it to their clients as another option for evaluation or, or monitoring, long-term monitoring of their structure. And we would work out an arrangement with these engineers, local engineers, where we would provide them with all the support they need, all the hardware they need, also have the data available for them. They would get the data and we would provide it in you know, standard dashboards that they could look at on a regular basis. They can decide what is the frequency of the monitoring, would it be weekly, monthly, annually, whatever, and we could customize that for them. We can also customize the interface with them. If they wanna see the data in some different format, we can develop our software to provide them with customized dashboards, for example. So we really envision the local 
engineer. This would be a tool in their toolbox that they could provide to their client. And then we would provide all the support they need in order to get them the information that they can use to better advise their clients. That's really the way we see that. Now, if it's a you know a larger asset owner like DOT, for example, they have in-house engineers probably that uh, we could work with them to provide them with the information, the data. Or it might be a consultant that's hired by the DOT. They would get the data, that type of thing. That's how we see this working. I don't really think the general manager of a garage is going to be able to use this information necessarily. I think it needs to go to the structural engineers or the asset facility managers, and they would be able to provide the information or analyze the information and provide recommendations to the owner. Interesting, like, uh, to see how that all kind of like breaks down, who's going to be watching it and who's going to be monitoring it and making those decisions. Yeah. And I also think it gives the engineering firm kind of a reason, you know, engineering firms will go out, they may be contracted to do regular inspections, maybe annual inspections or something like that. But this would give them more opportunities to interact with their client. So it might, you might open up new work or uh, improve their relationship with their clients. I mean, provide that additional service that's going to help with like the longevity of their building and all that. Yeah, exactly. I just had two questions. I think you're mostly focused in the, the East Coast, but over here in the West Coast, I know we have uh, earthquakes and seismic. Do you think if there could be any applications to that, maybe ground motion sensors or building sensors, or even maybe in, in the East Coast, uh, ways to see if uh, the rebar or reinforcing is damaged maybe during heavy winds or an earthquake? What do you think about that in terms of sensors? This is really just touching the surface, these sensors we're working with. I can envision a future where you have technology that can go into a structure that will not just give you information about early corrosion or moisture entering the structure. You could envision having crack monitors. Think about a building the way we do it today. We design a building to code and we build it and then we kind of let it do its thing for the rest of its life. And then you, we might inspect it occasionally. But wouldn't it be great to have a building that's a smart building that can give you information about how it's performing, not just uh, every day, but let's say in, a, in an extreme event like a earthquake or a high wind event or something like that. Potentially, you could have strain gauges that could be put into certain parts of the structure on steel, or I'm not sure how it works with concrete, but certainly you could put it on the steel and then crack monitors, and you would be able to get just a plethora of information that could be used. I can see all kinds of opportunities. You could see what, how the building is performing over its lifetime. But what if you had this on thousands of buildings, maybe more than that, and you were getting all this information in a central hub? How could that data be used to improve all sorts of things? It could improve the building code. It could be used to uh, make predictions about how structures are going to behave because you have this historical information that's come in from lots of buildings. And it could be, you know, with the advent of AI that could be used to create algorithms that could use this data to improve how we build buildings and then how we maintain buildings over a long period of time. So I see an incredible potential for this type of technology. Yeah, it's interesting to think about all the different ways it could take us. I think just, you know, on a more like today level, I feel like with things that we've learned in the past with 
building collapses and things like that. It's so much is left to us with like a structural observation. You can only see what's going on on the surface. And to be able to have something on the interior of that material and also like spitting out data that you can create these dashboards and people can see like, this is where we're supposed to be. This is where it's performing. Like clearly we need to do something now versus waiting and see. It would be really advantageous to us as a, I mean, not only just our profession, but it's just like society, obviously, you know, like the built environment. Yeah, there's all kinds of opportunity and potential for technology to be used more in construction. Construction is sort of a old fashioned, you know, there's not a lot of innovation in construction. So we need to think of ways we can improve efficiency, improve the safety, mitigate risk over a long period of time. So it's a lot of opportunity for improvement in construction. When you said about the smart buildings and putting sensors in, because I know researchers do that for their tests, right? But they're very limited. Imagine if we had that data for actual buildings, we'd have that much more data points instead of uh, taking years to set up a, a building experiment in the lab. But it'd be so cool if they had all that data, not just in terms of seismic, but any type of damage or corrosion to real life structures. I don't think you could get better data than that to, to actual conditions. So. Interested to see where it'd go. California is kind of a mostly dry climate, is it? Do you guys have much corrosion there? I guess maybe in the some areas you like have. Like the coastal areas. We have a lot of problems with that too. That's everywhere. Water, bad. Exactly. That's one thing that this can do. Let's say you have a plaza deck that has a membrane on it and it's supposed to stay dry. This can tell you if you're getting, if there's a breach in the waterproofing and it'll give you an early warning about that before it just creates havoc in your plaza deck. I was going to also comment that like how construction industry is just a little bit like old school in terms of technology. And I feel kind of excited about like our field though right now, because I keep hearing about all these really cool advancements and, you know, computer things and technology and all this stuff. I think that the downfall that we have is that we're all kind of slow to adopt it in our industry. Like, I think the stuff is there. It's getting there. It's a little bit slow to adopt. Yeah, you're right. I'm involved in some industry organizations like American Concrete Institute, ACI and PTI and things like that. And these are very slow moving organizations, unfortunately, that they tend to, and I don't think they do this intentionally, but they don't like to promote proprietary products. And so it kind of hinders getting new products on the market. From Simpson, maybe you would disagree with this. I don't know, but it seems like most of the innovation in construction comes from Europe and, or other places in the world. And we kind of uh, adopt it over time. I know post-tensioning, for example, was developed in uh, France by Fresnay, and it was brought here to the United States later. And uh, that's just one example. That seems to be the kind of the pattern I, I see. That's kind of like similar trajectory of like mass timber. You know, it's kind of moved its way over and down. I think that's pretty common. In terms of the innovation of the industry, it seems like there's a lot of players, right? It's not just structural engineers, it's owners, contractors, and then you have the committees for each and every trade, every type of material. It's like a really big organization. And I, I feel that's probably one of the reasons why we're probably slower in the innovation department. Right. What advice would you have for structural engineers, maybe younger ones or students that want to get into either evaluation and rehabilitation of concrete structures or even some of this technology that you guys are coming up with? 
I would say there's a couple of different tracks that a young engineer could take if they are interested in repair of structures. One would be to go to work for a, get a job with a design firm that specializes in that area or a facility management firm that specializes in that area where they do evaluations, inspections, repairs, and, and produce contract documents for contractors to go out and, and do the repairs. One thing I really love about this part of the industry is that if you're designing a new building, you have a building code kind of prescriptive and it tells you what to do. The thing I really like about repair is that you can be more creative and more innovative in your solutions and try to come up with some really cool solutions. I think it's a great place for young engineers to look for um, career opportunities. It's a growing industry. So I think there's a lot opportunity there for young engineers. So I was saying that there's a couple of different tracks. One would be that track and they could go to work for like the big guys like Wisjani, Simpson, Gumpert, people like that, or smaller firms like ours, Klein Engineering. We do a lot of that type of work as well. The second track for a young engineer would be to go to work for a uh, repair contractor or a supplier. Rachel, you work for a Simpson. I worked for VSL. I know a lot of structural engineers that go to work for contractors and suppliers, and that's a great place to learn the industry, to make contacts, to grow your network. And there's lots of opportunity to use your engineering skills in that type of company as well. Of course, I did both. I worked uh, at VSL and then I started my own consulting firm. So you can switch back and forth. I do encourage our young engineers to explore the different options there. I would also encourage young engineers to get involved in industry associations like uh, trade organizations like American Concrete Institute. If they're interested in repairs, I would recommend ICRI, which is International Concrete Repair Institute. They have uh, annual meetings. They also have local meetings that young engineers can go to and, again, learn a lot and then expand their network of people that they know. I always tell our young engineers here to get out there and get involved in these industry organizations, expand your network as much as possible. I can tell you that when I was a young engineer and, and I was working in a you know smaller company or at BSL, I would be working with peers for the clients that we're working for, like project engineers and project managers. Over time, these folks rise in the company. I know some of those people that are now running companies and are CEOs of companies. So it's so vital to increase your network and get to know people and, and cultivate those relationships because you just never know where that's going to take you in the rest of your, your career. It's great to have those relationships. And then the second piece of advice I would like to give is, and this is a mentor told me this a long time ago, you've got to find something you love doing. If you love your work, you work hard at that work and you increase your knowledge over time, it's sort of a, a law of nature. You're going to be very successful in your career if you do those things. Thanks so much, Don, for giving your insights and the advice on that. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for coming on again and uh, sharing it. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's been a pleasure, Matt and Rachel. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There you can find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources or websites mentioned during the episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
Until next time, we wish you the best in all of your structural engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.